Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security condition three. EQ. Security three, sir. Zero four three. Intruder alert. EQ three. Intruder alert. Well, good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, folks. I am your hostess and your cruise director, Madam Perry, and I am delighted to be back again. You guys, this has just been a fantastic month. Well, actually, all the shows, I have such great guests, and, and the listeners that comment or call or send messages to let me know that uh, what you like and uh, who you want next. Thank you so much because of you, the uh, show has grown and the downloads, the listeners is just out of this world. And by the way, if you're listening live tonight, and this is April 2nd, this is Monday, April 2nd, and if you're listening live tonight on Blog Talk Radio, you'll see a sort of a hot pink or fuchsia box it's about it's rectangular and in white letters it says follow if you have not followed yet may i ask you to please do so if you don't mind now maybe you follow or subscribe to podcast on itunes or stitcher or podcast fm or blueberry whichever ones i'm on all of those too so you could just subscribe as you wish but if you haven't and you want to be able to keep up with what's going on please hit that subscribe button now because that helps me to get even more cool guests and uh, be able to bring you plenty more episodes. Hey, last week, if you listened last week, my guest was Paul Myers. Uh, he's a musician. He's a writer. He had, had TV shows and radio shows in Canada, in Vancouver. Uh, but he, we were talking about his books. Now, he's done a lot of music journalism for magazines like Mojo, New Music Express, and so forth. But we were talking about his books mainly, and the, uh, specifically A Wizard or Two Star, Todd Rengren in the Studio, uh, also... Um, it Ain't Easy, Long John Baldry and the Birth of the Blues in England, or the British Blues, and um, the other book escapes me now. However, oh, I know, Bare Naked Ladies, the band Bare Naked Ladies, because they asked him to write their band memoir, and it's called uh, uh, Public Stunts and, and Private Stories, and coming out in the fall, if you remember the TV show, the comedy show, The Kids in the Hall, at Kids in the Hall were the best comedy shows ever. Great cast, great writing and performance. Uh, Paul Myers has a book called One Dumb Guy, the story of the kids in the hall. And it will be released in October, but you can go ahead and order it now. Also coming up 
tomorrow night I've got Larry Johnson. He's one of the writers for MST 3000 or Mystery Science Theater 3000. And he also um, runs a movie riffing event called Cineprof in Atlanta. And we'll have him on that. And then the week after, I've got, she's returning here. You've seen her on a lot of TV shows, including Dr. Oz. And she'll be back on Dr. Oz um, the same week she'll be here on Matt Perry Salon, and her name is Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas, and she and Dr. Larry Burke have co-written a book about uh, your dreams, and if you remember her from Di- when she was on Dr. Oz, she was talking about how uh, she diagnosed uh, her breast cancer through the information that came to her through dreams, and told her doctors and asked them to please humor me and check this out, and she was right, and she collected stories from other people, and they, of course they were they had to be verified, but they uh, about how your dreams can help you take care of yourself, uh, find out what's going on with you if you pay attention and know how. So that's all coming up, and if you subscribe, you know all about what's happening soon. And tonight, this is also a show that I'm excited about. This is a guest that's been on here before, and he's also uh, joined in conversations. Uh, you probably already know him, but what we're talking about tonight is um, a lot of people, a lot of musicians, after they play for a while, sometimes they'll tell me, you know what I really want to do? I'd love to score for film and television, and a lot of musicians do that. Actually, I was talking about Todd Rundgren. He's done a lot of work for television shows and film. Um, Adrian Ballou, his bass player, Julie Slick, was on, and he's going to be here soon. Adrian has done a lot of uh, scoring for Pixar films, and it's a great field to get into, marvelously creative. Just the scope of the work is something way different, um, but it seems very satisfying to the musicians. And so to talk about that tonight is my friend and a friend of Madame Perry Salon is musician and composer, Vince Levy Bryant. Vince, come on in. You know your way around. <laughs> How you doing, Madame Perry? How's everybody? Hello, Atlanta and the world. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing great, and I'm so glad you're here. Listen, so many people know you. They've been longtime followers of the show, Um, people that Mm -hmm. listen a lot. And let me give them shout-outs. Shout-out to Ray, to Mimi and Dana in uh, North Carolina, Ray in Atlanta, um, to Andrea in California. All these people that listen regularly, they've heard you before and know you, but... For people mm-hmm. who are brand new, why don't you start off with uh, uh, telling us a little bit about where you're from and how you got your start in music. Okay. I'm originally from New York. I was raised in South Carolina. We left New York when I was 13, but New York is where I got my start in music, thanks to my dad. He was a piano player. He was a TV repairman and a piano player. Okay, He played blues and jazz, and he was a TV piano player. Uh, he was a TV repairman to a lot of celebrity musicians and movie people, and we lived in Springfield Gardens. And um, he, uh, <laughs> because he played music, he hobnobbed with him. He knew how to hang out with everybody, pretty much like I do. And um, he introduced me to piano at an early age, early age. I was three years old, and I immediately took to it and never gave it up. Um, and my love of music is diverse. The man could play anything. He was a multi-instrumentalist. And my brothers, 
Chuck on drums and my brother, you'll say Joey on bass guitar. And um, we moved to South Carolina and it just got even crazier. But, you know, um, that's how I got started, the piano. Um, piano lessons during the day uh, in the evenings mm-hmm. and um, after school work, of course, and piano um, and band and music in elementary school. We were all what you call gifted. I don't know. We were just kids that really loved playing, and it's what we did, you know. Um, um, yeah. To make a to make a long story short, it's it's one of those things where your parent does something, you see it, you see the fun, and he shared the gift of music with me and my brothers. It was spending a lot of time in the basement having fun and doing these little gigs where kids were allowed to play and talent shows and whatnot, and it was just a fun, fun time, you know, so um, that's how I got started. You know, I've seen so many people that, um, you know, I've said sometimes, I've, I've had people say, talk about a singer or whatever, and they say, well, you know, I can't believe, if I ever saw them, I didn't buy their album, how could I have not have missed it? I said, well, maybe you saw them when they were still selling out of the trunk of your car, and a lot of people, I feel like we've been brainwashed over years to think that if it's not on the radio or TV, it's not good, and we, we kind of got that, we don't realize it, but we do, but I've always found, to me, the people who are the most blessed are people I know who take their or the children the children of people I know who love live music who love playing with friends and who love taking their children everywhere and inviting them along where music is played by real people and I always think these kids have got a rich life that's right that's how I got raised that's how I was raised me and my brothers it was always fun you know Um, and the fact that these different these these older guys, you know, I mean, I'm 11 years old. I, my dad bought a Fender Rhodes electric piano, and I played it in mm. the band with my brothers. And I'm 11 years old. Grown men didn't have Fender uh-huh. Rhodes pianos. I had a 73-key sparkle top, and it was 1969, 1970, okay? And, um, you know, just, just the whole scene, soul, uh, blues, jazz, uh, gospel, it was ringing all over the house all the time, and all these different older cats coming through the house on Sundays to play, you know, it was just awesome. So, uh, Thursday evenings, they would rehearse. They had the gigs Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday they'd come in and relax, you know. My mother was a nurse, so, you know, they, they had time to come in. And me and my four, three brothers, the four of us, you know, it was like there was no problem. It was always music going on in the house one way or the other. I feel like you also have probably had like a lot of extra, I want to say, well, having musicians in the house and everybody enjoying the music and, the, and you guys learning, you and your brothers. To me, that's sort of like having a village to raise the children. You've got like almost like big brothers or uncles or they become oh, a family yeah. to you. So you've got a lot of people oh, yeah. to help guide you in a lot of different ways. Yep, yep. Brooke Benton's son, Roy Benton, was our bass player. He was our first bass player. Um, it's funny. We were kids in Springfield Gardens. <laughs> running through the neighborhood. James Brown lived on the corner in a, this black and gray castle-like <laughs> house of Linden Boulevard and Merrick Boulevard in St. Albans, Queens. And about six blocks from him was Brooke Benton, and about ten blocks down was Count Basie. So, I mean, that was the late 60s in Queens. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, and my dad's band, The Decades, you know, his guys, you know, ex-Army guys that played the blues, and um, it was just... Um, 
you know, it was just a lot of the the vibe was so I didn't realize everybody didn't grow up like this, you know. I just it was just Aww. a lot of fun. I it's yeah, you know, and I've got old home movies of some of this stuff that I haven't really been able to um I have them digitized but they're not edited and that's the whole thing. You know. Um one of the one of the most important turnarounds though was I was eleven years old and I had nephritis, which is a kidney infection. And um I missed the whole fifth grade. Ele- yeah, elementary fifth grade. I had a tutor from the Board of Education. My mother enrolled me in the Queens branch, uh Jamaica branch Queens Library and put me in the movie club and every Wednesday I'd get to go see a movie. She'd take off work and come home. She was a head nurse at a Jamaica hospital. And she'd come home, pick me up, take me to see a movie. And I fell in love. First movie I fell in love with was The Red Balloon. And uh, ever since then, I was just a movie head, you know. And the music in the movies always got me. I would always try to come home and play the stuff to my frustration. And my dad just decided he'd give me some serious lessons so I could understand what I was doing at 11. And I left the – I didn't leave it, but I had less interest in – the boogie woogie and the you know the soul and the jazz and I just got my head into it and you know classical training came on for about two years and and then that was pretty much it we moved to South Carolina when I was thirteen. Oh, magnificent! Ta-da. You know, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> do you yeah. ever feel like your life was guided? You know, yeah, by that I still do unseen yes. but felt hand. Yeah. Yes, I was at uh, Rolling Out Magazine today, and that's what came up, that topic. You're, you're guided. Yeah, I believe in God. Really? God is guiding my steps. I don't listen all the time. Yeah, I don't listen all the time. <laughs> I make these, you know, we, we get this, we get our ego in the way, and then the next thing we know, we're mm-hmm. off to the races thinking of something when we, you know, should just relax and mm-hmm. let it go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things we want to talk about tonight. Now, you've you've played, um, you've had so many fantastic opportunities for influence for the music around you, for people to teach you. Yep. And oh my gosh, yep. if, if I live close enough just to hear Brooke Benton singing, you know, oh, in the yeah. house, that would be just have that luscious voice of his sing. Oh, yeah. I mean. It's like you're just growing up around a gold mine, you know, of, of all this talent and influence. And uh, but um, as you grew up, though, you you did play. You know, you became a professional musician, and you know, you played right. with bands. You've played. You've worked with studio yep. work. Yep. Um, and Early twenties, New York. Yep. Yeah. Went back to New York. Tell us a little bit about your out, your New York dropped days. Out of, yeah. Dropped out of college. Joined the country and western band in Furman, South Carolina, played that whole summer, then went to New York to my mother's dismay. She hated that. Went to New York, <laughs> and two weeks later, I was working for Bill Sonnenberg. And I was mm. there as the, I was doing, I was, let me tell you how I was there. I was there, I was the electronics technician, kept all the amps, the synthesizers. It was a rental agency. It was a rehearsal hall, and they rehearsed all the bands that, were guest stars on Saturday Night Live. And that experience was the beginning. <laughs> that was it. Okay? That was the beginning mm, of it uh-uh. right there. Oh, God. I It's a who's who's list from Stevie Wonder to Lonnie Liston Smith, Chic. Um, oh, God. I can go on and on and on. I'm losing all these different names. Uh, Rolling Stones was the biggest one. I went home. 
Pat, um, trying to remember his last name, he was supposed to be scheduled to do their rehearsal sound, 1979, um, Christmas show, Saturday Night Live. You got to look it up. They did mm-hmm. Beast of Burden. I ended up getting woke up out of my sleep by my Uncle Harold. Um, Bill called. There's Bill on the phone. He sent a car for you. The Rolling Stones is waiting on you. It was like a quarter to midnight. <laughs> I had been sleeping since 10 o'clock. Yeah, I, you know, and I said, are you kidding me? Because I was really, I was envious. I went to sleep with this real, and Pat had gotten drunk and decided <laughs> not to, he couldn't show up. Well, Bill probably decided that. Bill and Ethel Sonnenberg. And Bill says, Vince, I need you down there. I know you can handle it. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> he just hung up. Okay. <laughs> I went downstairs. It was, yeah. <laughs> I went downstairs. It was a livery. I got in the car, cab, and he took me down from 104th Street, Douglas Projects, Central Park West, Douglas Projects, downtown to 52nd Street. Um 51st Street, I mean, to 333 West 51st, and I went in, and I just started working, and there they were, the Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. and they were doing their rehearsals, and I was pulling the equipment around and hustling things around. Mr. Sampson was the elevator operator, and they had like 15 uh, SVT amps, that's these giant bass and cabinets uh, for the bass player, Bill Wyman. And um, he was like, what are they going to do with all these amps? This guy, he was Haitian. He said, what are they going to do with all these amps? I don't know what they're doing. They're going to blow up something, Vinny. What do you think? I says, oh, I don't know. Yes. Big rock band. These guys are big. Oh, these guys are big time. I said, yeah, it's the Rolling Stones, man. Don't you? <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, it was that kind of a scene. Yep, Mr. Samson. Well, well, listen. Somewhere though, somewhere along the way, um, you went from doing a lot of studio work, playing a lot of bands, doing stuff, playing with the Rolling Stones and so forth, to um, being inducted or tagged or solicited or begged to do mm-hmm. music with theater and television and film. Well, I fell into that opportunity after I met who's my ex-wife now, um, <laughs> it's like we're best friends sometimes and sometimes worst enemies, but we're, we're so, it's so <laughs> weird. We left Atlanta and I came to Atlanta before we got married and she came and then we got married. I met Curtis Mayfield. Bill mm-hmm. Fuller, architect, architect Bill Fuller. I hope you're listening. I hope you get to hear this. But he introduced me to Curtis Mayfield January of 1984, Okay. Um, I wanted to see what a recording studio looked like in a home, in a real home, because my idea was, you know, and I didn't realize I wasn't, you know, big time. See, this is what growing up like the way I grew up will do to your mind. You don't know that you're not a big celebrity and that you don't, you know, my idea was I'm going to move back to South Carolina, get a beach house, put a studio in it, and I'm going to be happy forever, you know. Um, So I had, this guy was like, okay, let me show you a client's house I did, and it's got a... Um, what we call an um, airtight um, room. It's a soundproof room. And he takes me to who I did not know whose house it was. He took he opened, he had a key. He opened the door and he went inside and we walked in and I didn't even say whose house is this. I had no sign, no clue. It was a beautiful Steinway grand piano, 1969, 70, 1970, uh, six foot grand, beautiful piano. And tuned and everything. 
And um, after I kind of admired all the acoustics and the Dora jams and everything and how everything was nice, I just said, can I play this piano? He said, sure. So I sat down to play. He had never heard me play. So he heard me play. He says, oh, you sound pretty good, man. And I started playing a little blues and whatnot. Then I played something else. I don't even remember. Curtis Mayfield walks in. And I look up at him and I said, that, that, that's Curtis. I about, I about crapped a brick right there. And he goes, he goes, no, dude, keep playing, keep playing. You sound good. And I'm like, oh, and I'm now, now I can't even play. I'm like losing it. And um, we talk, and I, he's like, yeah, you know. So he goes, hey, I, I think I want to use you in my band. Well, here it comes. It's just, I was about, wow. And Bill's like, well, give the man an answer, this, you know. So I gave the man an answer, and yes, that, and that was it. So we toured England, um, the U.K. and Asia, England, Holland, Japan. Um, rehearsed um, in two and a half months. I mean, he bought my passport pictures. We blasted through Sandy Springs in his Cornish Rolls Royce and running up and down. Mm-hmm. And the family, his ex-wife, I mean, his um, widow, Althea, and his kids, who were little at the time, we... Um, Rehearsed every day. Then we go to Piccadilly over in Briar, Briar, uh, what's it called? Not Briar, it's called Greenbriar. That's it. We go to Piccadilly mm-hmm. and eat. So, you know, I'm an eater. I don't know if you know me. I love food. I'm a foodie. I, I'm a great cook, I think. Uh, anyway, so we had a great time playing his music, playing other music, and just having a great time. And then he finally said, we're going over to England. And it was serious. And I had the best time. Ronnie Scott's a week straight, two shows a night, um, all over Manchester, Leicester, Leeds, um, Surrey, um, you know, and came back to the States, went to Holland, Amsterdam and uh, Rotterdam and Arnhem and all that, and came back to the States, took a two-week break and went to Japan and played um, in uh, Shinjuku and near Rapungi, um, Tokyo, and we just had we just had a blast and I, I spent two years hanging around Curtis after that. Um, he did I'm Gonna okay. Get You Sucker, and that's where the music for movies bug bit me. Um, it was, and it was one of those just to, once again, it was out of the way, happen mm-hmm. chance. I was, I was there hanging out with Carlos Glover, his engineer. Um, I love mm-hmm. hanging out with engineers because, you know, I think I'm an engineer. My dad was a recording engineer. So, plus, you know, for a musician to really mm-hmm. know what was going on back then, technically, they, they dug that. So they allowed me to stick around and bug them. One of the guys I oh, bugged yeah. back in New York was Ollie Cotton. Yeah. Ollie yeah. Cotton, yeah. Yeah, Ollie Cotton. Yeah. I'm hoping he'll call in, but he is he's the head of audio for 30 years at Showtime at the Apollo, the Apollo Theater. And um, he has a real hectic schedule. Um, he's been live... He's, Travels live with everybody. India, Ari, um, good lord, so many different, so many different people. Too many. I think I sent you his discography of all the records he did. I sent you that that Google, and mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be blown away. I mean, you just, you just, it's crazy his career. And he's quiet. He's um, very modest, you know. <laughs> and um, oh yeah, guy did some of the biggest records. Anyway. So, yeah, that's how I got into the movie thing with Curtis Mayfield. 
Well, you know, and by the way, let me stop right here and say, if you're listening live and you want to talk to Vince Bryant, you can just call in. Uh, The number is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. And Blog Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free number in the continental U.S. Uh, And we'd love to talk to you. Yes, you know, I knew... um, I knew Curtis Mayfield's guitar tech, Greg Kerbo. I don't know if you uh, ever Greg met Kerbo. him. No, I did. He was from my now, I'll neighborhood. Tell you, yeah. Yeah, the guitarist guys would know him. I know all mm-hmm. the keyboard connected people that played. Buzz Amato mm-hmm. toured with him, a phenomenal key piano player. Toured after I left the group. They were, um, from from what I understand, they were like Curtis's favorite touring band. You know, at that time, they did uh, some of the bigger gigs. Um, we did a revival tour uh, through England, Holland, and Japan. But um, a couple of years later is when he did the tour. I, I don't know, Buzz wasn't on that, but another keyboard player was on that when he had when Curtis had that accident, the tragic accident that gave him the uh, mm-hmm, he was quadriplegic mm-hmm. after. Yeah. Yeah, when he and, was um, in a Shepherd yeah. Spinal Center in Atlanta. Right, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it was horrible. Uh, yes. So, well, then talk to me about, yeah, the difference in playing with bands and creating and engineering. And when someone approaches you to create a project for uh, for cinema, mm-hmm. something for, you know, for a film or for a TV show, what what happens? Mm-hmm. What do they do? They come to you with, who comes to you, and where do they begin? Like with with other businesses, creative businesses, they might say, "Well, here's my brief. I mean, this is what we've got. This is what we want to complement it." How do they tell you what they want? Well, it's a simple process, and it can be sticky sometimes. You know, first time directors are nervous about enough things, so thinking of music is the last thing, but. The more um, experienced directors and the experienced directors, the process goes like this. Directors have an idea of what music they feel will help tell their story. And that's really what my job is. There's no ego. I create music that's going to complement and help tell the story, scene to scene, segue in between scenes, undercurrent or underscore to the action and the dialogue that's going on to help tell the story. And sometimes you have, you know, these signifying melodies. You know, you can imagine the melodies. Your favorite movies have a melody that if I just say the melody, mm-hmm. you're going to know the, the music. You know, if I go, everybody sees a shark, or, you know, they want to get out of the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if I think about, you know, which is a sound design, they think about, Friday the 13th, and there's, every movie has their own thing, you know. Some of the best compositions, I feel, were not so intrusive and not so memorable, depending on what types of movies, and my style is kind of like halfway in between all of that stuff, you know, kind of like in the middle of all of it. I work with a director who can tell me what type of music he's hearing, and I'll give him a temp track um, of it, or he'll give me a temp track, a temporary track that sounds like it, and I will either try to imitate that track and not be really, you know, point to point with it, but give the same type of feel. And then the sound editor will get it, and he'll do his thing and fit it the way the director likes it. So there's no ego. Plus, it could come back to me and get changes about 600 times 
which is one of the reasons why you have no ego in this, you know. It's not like making mm-hmm. a record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not making a record. <laughs> no, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, do they give you, though, I mean, do they give you something about, well, we want this kind of a feel, this is like a happy, lighthearted thing, this is a romance, yeah. this is a, we want a European yeah. accent to this? Absolutely. They, get, they, they will use any metaphors, any analogies, any colorizations, any way to describe it, and they all have their, own, they have their own deal. And here's how I start off with them. Here's what I do. I say, listen, don't worry about music terminology. Just tell me, is it happy, sad? Is it blue? Is it green? Is it, you know, is it garlic in the air or is it gunpowder? You know, tell me what's going on here. And normally, mm-hmm. musically, I start out with the piano. It's always the piano for me. I have a way of translating and starting with the piano because it doesn't come from me. It comes through me. So it's the director's vision. I've got to feel it, and then I've got to interpret that. And then from there, we get into instrumentation and sounds that actually lock it in, and we have to come to an agreement together. He's got to tell me he likes it. Otherwise, I mean, I'm doing nothing. Or she's got to mm-hmm. tell me. I'll work for any director. Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I don't want to oh, sound like a chauvinist because I'm really not one, you know. And, you know, this is, there are a lot of things, too, <laughs> with uh, uh, television as well. Because um, yep. I would imagine it's a, I don't know how much of it's a different type of, uh, or different scope um, of work with film or with television, but you've been doing a lot of television work in Atlanta, a lot of television I've things. Been, I've been doing episodic stuff, and it's either it's, well, uh-huh. it's a new Netflix, yeah, Netflix, Amazon. I just did an Amazon uh, series. It's the second season, and they brought me on to be the main composer, so we revamped the theme. I created a new theme for it. It's called Music and Murder. Greg Galloway is the creator and the director. Yeah. The director. Yeah, it's a gritty urban drama set in Atlanta. Q from the group 112 is one of the main stars. And um, it centers around um, a singer who, a female who's, no, she's um, she's a video uh, producer. And she's framed for murder. So the intrigue and the who did it is all centered around that. So it's pretty now, successful. Lots character? of action. Is that the mm-hmm. character Chastity that's played by Sayonara? I think so. See, I this is where the, the music director is like, I just need to know what the director needs. And if he <laughs> wants to, I won't know who the characters are unless I'm doing character, right. what we call character identification music. Then I get into the mm. characters. You know, I do it strictly okay. upon what the director needs. He needed the theme. He needed some action scenes covered. He needed some tense scenes covered. And that was it. So we have no character identifications at this point. But it still it still sounds like an it sounds it sounds great it sounds like an urban um, gritty um, mm-hmm. series that I think yeah. Amazon is going to do well with. I think so. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're listening live, remember you can call six four six seven one six nine nine two two to talk to Vince Bryant, or you can message if you, if you don't have a phone handy. You can message in a question if you're listening live and you've got Facebook. And I'll take the questions like that too. And also, Greg Galloway, Gregory Galloway, uh, director of Murder and Music in Atlanta, 
you're listening, call in because we want to talk to you too. Um, I have a question here from a listener, uh, and his name is Duffy Odom. Duffy says, Duffy asks, he says, I want to know if how Vince works with film is different than it was back in the day in the studio. When they, I think what he's saying is in the, back then they used to be in the studio watching the film when they did the Great uh, question. Great question. Yes. We still watch it. We do what's known as a spotting session. I just did a spotting session for Pastor Troy, who's a well-known rapper, hit rapper. Um, he has a new series. I don't know the title of the series yet, and I just got the project. So we did what's known as a spotting session, and what we do is watch, we listen to the dialogue, which is production dialogue, and we watch the movement, we time the scenes, and I do, some composers do this, some don't. I do it. I do a BPM, which is beats per minute, and a frame per second type of timeout of math, um, and I break down and get a rhythm, and then I figure out what scene should be accented, what parts of the scene should flow together and have a rhythm, and that's how it starts, you know. So in a nutshell. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wow, that sounds so complicated. <laughs> yeah, in the old days they did so the same intense. thing, but they had to have they had to have real players, and it took longer. And you had to write out the manuscript by hand. These days we have computers, you know. I read, but. I use mm-hmm. the computer, and we use um, a notation software, Sibelius, and I use Logic Pro 10, and that has a manuscript software in it. Um, for the heavier jobs, I have an orchestrator, Todd uh, Skrebinek, second-generation Czechoslovakian, Chopin technician. He loves to write for orchestra, and that's, that would be the long format to answer your question. But I use the latest in technology, digital audio workstation with samples, and we are uh-huh. on the spot instantaneously putting down accents, strings, bass, cellos, percussion, all 85 orchestral pieces, and they sound so real, it would, you would not be able to tell the difference. So we come up with results very quick, and the director can tell us yes, no, right on the spot. You know, I yep. saw a video of you on YouTube, and it was uh, taking place, it was at the Microsoft store in Linux Square. I don't know how old it was, but you hmm. were demonstrating yeah. and explaining a software for creating music scores, and it was just amazing. But, and the thing was, yeah. <laughs> you when, you're, when you were talking on camera and describing it, mm-hmm. you made it seem so simple and, and sensical. And like, oh, yeah, well, you do this, and you see how this is, and you see how we layer in the vocals here. I'm thinking, man, this is amazing. It is work, believe it or not, with this latest technology. I'm going to be 59 soon, if I could tell my age. I'm from the tape world. It's the analog and tape. It was a long, tedious process. You had to use real plays. You had to tape. You had to roll, roll the tape back constantly. But this computer situation now, the digital computers, I've been into them since the late 90s, uh, 98, 99, and um, it is fast. It's, it's instantaneous, and I do make it look simple, but there's still a great deal of work because you have all these choices, you know, and fast. You still want to be careful and get the right thing, and sometimes we put it down too fast and we have to wipe the whole thing and start over. It happens. So six in one hand, Whoa. half a dozen in the other. 
And and then what is the Pastor Troy Project? Uh, tell me a little bit more about that because I didn't quite get that's, that set up. TV that's, show. Um, that's that's going to be. I think he's he hasn't picked he hasn't taken it to a network yet, but it's got some very interesting scenes in there with um, the deceased. Shorty Lowe. Um, Shorty Lowe is a famous rapper. Oh, who, uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he passed away um, in a yeah. car wreck, I think it was last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got scenes with him in it, so it should be very interesting um, how this gets played out, or what, what happens with it. But um, as it is right now, for me, um, the urban, gritty, you know, drama thing is something that you know Netflix and Hulu and um, I'm sorry not Hulu it's Amazon yeah I think Hulu is doing something too but Netflix is blowing up with this stuff so I mean I mean Atlanta which is another show that's um I think that's uh what's his name uh Glover uh David Glover he it's awesome this what they're doing now I mean, if this stu- a lot of this stuff is like HBO Showtime, you know, blah, 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 if I can say those networks, but it's it's real easy now. These kids can just put anything together, and what they're missing, what a lot of, what not these shows, these shows have it, what a lot of the up-and-comers, I want to say, if you're listening and you're a young filmmaker, I'm really interested in interfacing with the Georgia independent filmmakers because there is a process. Some of you have great stories. Um, I just got signed on to a new project called Daddy's Shadows by uh, Lalo, the filmmaker, um, Jabari Crowder, and I'm the sound man on it. I do sound for film, too. That's the guy that holds the boom, and he's real still, Uh you know, (laughs) and he collects the sound. And, um, yeah, so being that close to it, you know, to be able to make the music, it's already running in my head because I'm within the scene doing a job on the set. But the point I want to make is mm-hmm. the importance of sound and the importance of music mm-hmm. that helps tell the story. You, you, we, I want to interface with, I want to help all these filmmakers realize how important it is and how easy it is to obtain and how they should budget for it, no matter what, or work out a deal to uh, budget and have it in their films so that they can approach these distribution points like Netflix and and Hulu mm-hmm. and, um, and Amazon, and even to compete in the film festivals, the film festivals, you know, that's important. Well, that's, that's where I, that's what I want to know, because I know these days, and thank goodness for it, there's a lot of things with tech, uh, with the technology and social media has really shortened the distance between the people wanting, the creators that want to pitch their stuff, and, and the people to whom they need to pitch or share, or with whom they need to collaborate or want to. You know, it's gotten the... The, the degrees of separation are a lot smaller than they used to be. And yet, that's right. People still need music. And indie films now, certainly, like, like self published books, certainly have a lot more respect than they once did. And that's right. Thanks that's to why people you like come you, with it. You've, been, mm-hmm, you've been working with a lot of independent uh, filmmakers. And I know you want to work with more. And I know you got a special project. Yes. I'd love for you to tell us yes. about it now. Okay. Yes. I, a year ago, I met um, Salmesh Bangera in Mangalore, um, India. Okay. Um, we know India is a third world country. If you want to put those names on it, you know, I don't care. That, but they have the immense 
Bollywood talent. These kids are so talented. Mm-hmm. I met a ton of them when I was in New York uh, going for this production certificate back in 2010. Um, Korea, India, England, all over the place. Jamaica, Barbados. And um, I met Salmesh online. We became friends talking about He says, you do music. Would you do something for me? So I did this small piece for him. Uh, I think it was called The Distance Between Us or The Absence Between Us. And that was a year or more ago, I think. Um, and I just did a new piece for him called OVG. And he just entered that into the Italian Milan um, Film Festival. But the point is, I've got one filmmaker. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get nine filmmakers. I want to raise the money to buy better samples and to help them get their films respectable with the best music theme, underscore, um, songs, and sound design. I am a CSAC-affiliated songwriter, so I bring that into the whole realm. You know, my daughters are CSAC songwriters, and in case you don't know, it's like it's a performance rights organization. It's like ASCAP mm-hmm. or BMI, but, you know, it's CSAC. It's the Society of European Stage Authors compose, and Composers. And um, okay. I am, I've formed a composers group here. I uh, had a wonderful short meeting with Herbie Hancock last year at the Art Center before his show and before I took off to go to Manuel's Tavern to <laughs> meet and greet a bunch of filmmakers, including the cast of Queen uh, Sugar and let me just let me just say this. Wrap this up. It's like um, if the filmmakers feel like they, you know, that they're they, they're not sure if they want to talk to me or they can talk to me or approach me or talk about. I'm open. Let's talk. It doesn't cost you a thing to talk. And we may get to something. I may like your project, and I may want to invest my time. So this is what led me to the charity. Okay, the charity is nine filmmakers. The goal is to raise twelve thousand to help them have the music and the sound and the underscore and all those elements that they need so that they can go into the film festivals and so that they can get distribution, so that they can sound legit and look professional and look polished and sound polished, okay? The $12,000 is for the samples that play the best orchestral, world-class music instruments and sound design and sound effects, as well as pay the legal fees for the music synchronization rights. He did licensing and synchronization rights so that the film can be distributed. This is why distributors and acquisition people don't pay any attention to a little quirky film that has a little sound and they don't have all that paperwork together. It's cute, but it's not. we can't do anything with you. Come back next year. Bring something else, you know. And um, mm-hmm. they never tell you point blank. And I just, I just felt that was wrong. So I'm kind of bridging the gap in that. So these nine filmmakers will get that and be on their way. And um, I think I can, I want to, would love to make this an ongoing project and every 90 days have a new fresh nine filmmakers and um, just bring the Georgia filmmaking indie world up to par, you know? That would be uh, magnificent. I mean, there's a lot, yeah, because as you know, every, these people need, they, and sometimes they don't know everything they need. Like, you know, they might know they need music, but they don't know that they need all these other uh boxes ticked off as far as right. uh, as you're they, describing. They don't. They don't. I would so, love to So what have you got? Mm-hmm. So Go how ahead. can you help them? I, yeah. They, if, Google me. Google me. Um, go on my wall. Or just Google V-L-E-E-V. 
V as in Victor, L as in Larry, E as in elephant, E as in elephant, B as in Victor. Those five letters. Put it in your Google search and get in touch with me. Go to my Veely V page on Facebook. First, like it. <laughs> and then <laughs> leave me a message and I will get in touch with you. Um, you can also reach me at VLeeV at Hotmail.com. That's my email. And um, you'll also be able to push the blue button on my VLeeV page on Facebook, and it will dial my phone. So you can text me, call well, me, email me. Okay. And you mm-hmm. have a, as I understand, you have a, I believe it's either a crowdfunder or a fundraising Right, that's it. Hey, I'm sorry. You're so good. You are so good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's called tell You Caring. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Madam Perry. It's called You Caring, and it's um, the BBB will help nine filmmakers. I don't know how my, my PR person is wording it, you know, but um, you put it, you get, get there and get in touch. There's some criteria uh, as far as, you know, what you need to do to be able to. Um, obtain this, and it's it's simple, it's easy, it won't cost you anything, and and we're just there. I'm not picking the filmmakers; they are. I'm out of that. I don't uh-huh. do have anything to do uh-huh. with picking the filmmakers. So don't approach me that way. But tell me about your project, and I will steer you right to the people. And believe me, she is good. Her team, they're awesome, and they will pick the films. And we want a diverse group of filmmakers. We want everyone represented that we can think of. Um, and it's the You Caring site. If you Google me, V-L-E-E-B, it'll be third down from the top when you look it up, and it says right there, nine filmmakers will get music underscore, and it's a You Caring site, and you can go on my wall and find it. I'm going to make sure it's all up there on all three of my walls. IME, which is Institute of Media Engineers on Facebook, v V on mm-hmm. Facebook, and my personal page, Vincent Levy, L-E-V-Y, Bryant. So they'll be able to reach me. All right, yeah, and as you sure send and, and pro- <laughs> as, you, as you provide these links also for me, I'll also be sharing them on my social media because this is a magnificent thing you're doing. And I tell you what, Thank to, you. to to pull together this, this fundraiser to raise money so that you can make music for all these independent filmmakers, um, it just tells me that your heart is as big as your talent, and you've got a wow. lot of talent. So, Thank you, Thank you so that, much. Just magnificent. I, you know, you're it's the people like buddy. you that always help somebody. Pardon? I have a joke. You, you're saying it. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just Jim, Jimmy Z. He says, You've been doing charity work for 28 years. Jimmy Z is one of the best engineers in the business here in Atlanta. He was chief engineer at the Face Records for years. He did all those big hits. And he's one of my engineer buddies. I gave him all a shout out. You know, engineers, let me just say this too. The recording engineer is that guy, okay? Let me just put this all to, to rest. With the, you know, everybody has these home studios. That's great. You can learn the process. And there's an incredible amount of power in what you can do if you know what you're doing, though, see? But the recording mm-hmm. engineer is trained. He knows what to do. He knows where all, your, he knows where all the bodies are hidden. Okay, he knows mm-hmm. where all the blemishes are at. He is the guy that puts it together and makes you sound like you deserve to be out here, and everybody else will love what you're doing. And um, because you you've been doing charity work for 28 years, it's time for you to get paid. And yeah, you you're good enough, so you should get paid. <laughs> there you go. You know, anyway, 
Yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like right. giving back a certain amount is important. And these filmmakers are in mm-hmm. dire need of it. I just know it. I see it. I'm, I run into yeah. it. So that's what I, it's an area that nobody's addressed. So I want to address it. All right. So any of okay. filmmakers hey, well, out there, sh- don't be scared. This is the man. All right. Well, we are out of time, but I always want to thank you so much for coming on here, for being my guest, Believe, Vincent Levy Bryant. Oh, wow. And, uh, You're for, welcome. We'll be You're sharing welcome. all your information. And, thank uh, you. And thank you very look much. forward to you coming back and telling us all the wonderful things that happened from this project, okay? Thank you very much. I'm looking right. forward to that. Bye, everybody. You're welcome. Bye. And join me tomorrow night for Larry Johnson of MST 3000. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.